Episode 67, Finding Strength, Resilience, and Connection in the Face of Loss, with Isha Antani. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Deb, myself, and guest Isha Antani discuss the power of resilience and self-reliance and how sharing personal struggles fosters deep, genuine connections. Hi, I'm Ron Macklin, the host of the Story in Your Head podcast and the founder of Imaginal Community, a new virtual space where you can discover how to change the world one relationship at a time. In the Imaginal Community, you can ask us questions, take online classes, and learn and grow with others who are transforming their relationship with themselves and with others. It's like social media for self-discovery. So to continue the conversation with us, join us over in the Imaginal Community by following the link in the show notes. We're excited to see you there. Welcome to the story in your head. Today we have our guest, Isha Antani. Welcome to the podcast. Would you do a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah. So thanks, Ron and Deb, for having me on the podcast it was exciting to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to this. Isha Antani, I'm Indian American, but for the last seven years have been living outside of America. And currently I'm based in a nice little nook of Switzerland called Basel. And I, I, I love it here. You can't see the Alps from here, but you can see the River Rhine right from my office. And it's beautiful. My background, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. But I also dabble a little bit in nonprofits and I love working with the arts as well. So I have some relationships with museums and, and things going forward. And yeah, and I, I'm a new mother and I'm very excited about this new chapter that life has opened up for me. And I'm looking forward to seeing how I can be good in both my professional and my personal space now that I have someone that can be influenced by my decisions. <laughs> ah, thank you. Yes, the joy of motherhood, right? The joy and the pressure of motherhood. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a whole different thing than I imagined it was going to be, I guess. That's one of the story, right, in, in one's head that one keeps telling. So you had a story ahead of having children of what it would be like? Yes. And I guess, you know, in this day and age, I mean, there are two catalysts in my life that changed my life in, in, in unexpected ways. And I guess these catalysts would be similar in others. It's one is like the loss of, of very like people close to you. And the second is, is giving birth and actually creating life. And for me, in the span of two years, I went through grief losing my parents to this like circle of life where I actually then created life to the birth of my child. It literally happened two years since the day I, I lost basically my parents back to back because of COVID. I guess the story that I told in my head, you know, right before I went through all of this and as I was going to become a new mother was that I would have, you know, this bigger family to to add to us to, that would be there to teach my child things about life and culture and and being grandparents that my childhood experience and not having had that it led to a very different experience postpartum where I felt like I had to take on the role of 
not just being the mother, but also being this representative of my culture, my identity, this wisdom that needs to come through that often grandparents provide that sometimes parents get lost in because parents have other responsibilities to, to raise the child. So that was, you know, has been, you know, an interesting spin where, you know, the story that I had planned for my life got deviated just by, you know, COVID. COVID deviated a lot of lives. But the second thing, which I guess is a little bit more superficial, is oftentimes, you know, the, especially now in this day and age of social media, you see these stories, visual stories of what motherhood is going to be like. You see moms, you know, having their sleepy, cute babies in the bassinet <laughs> and uh, making up like beautiful cakes and baking up a storm or reading books in the quiet, beautiful, pristine nursery. That was a big shock. Because basically giving birth and the postpartum experience is nothing like Instagram. It's nothing like what even <laughs> Hollywood tells you. And for me, like reconciling the reality of being a mother to the fantasy that I had of what motherhood would look like w- was actually, uh, weirdly enough, a, a, a big clash. Mm. And I, it didn't come to head. And I think that's that's how Ron you found me was because I talked about it. It didn't come to head and I didn't realize how intense it was going to be. So I ended up scheduling some job interviews like two day, two weeks after giving birth because I thought, hey, pregnancy was super easy for me. So how hard can you know giving birth be? And my child is going to be sleeping most of the time anyhow. <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> And more so than uh, cremating my parents, sorry to bring the morbidity, but more so than that, like I found actually the hardest part was actually keeping mentally attuned, intellectually focused on giving those interviews while having a screaming baby in the background that my husband was trying to placate because, you know, he was trying to give me that opportunity to to give the interview. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, your your story, it, it just triggers me of like the difference between if you looked on Instagram and saw what people, well, what they post about their life, not really what their life is, right? But what they post about their life versus the reality of it. It's so off. And it can lead us to make up these stories that are really unreasonable mm-hmm. and expectations for ourselves. Hmm. So, yeah. so how are you? How has your story changed now that now that you're in the midst of it, away from the Instagram side of what you think? Like, how are you working with that new story? Yeah, so now it's all about incorporation of the actual reality within your day to day. And then one thing you know, I've realized, you know, is yes, we we have these like idealistic stories in our head, and then the reality happens. When reality happens and when some, sometimes like life takes you by surprise or by shock, the best thing to fall back onto, and if you want to fall back onto on steady ground and steady feet, is your own self. And for me, that's been a consistent, I would say, not in a way a story that I keep telling myself. And it's a story for, from Isha to Isha that, hey, if you did XYZ back then, you could do ABC now. So it's the story of resilience. It's the quality of resilience. And it's building that strength 
and knowing that in the past when life has thrown you off you've relied on your resilience and your focus and your spirit to get you through and that's what i've been you know coming back to time and time again so when these idealistic stories somehow take spin for, for the worse or are are different there is that other narrative that's going on that is closer to you that is no longer that's not on the instagrams of others but it's your story to yourself the more real version that's mm. what you you have to fall back on and that's what you know i rely on to to get me through you know the survival period that i faced immediately after motherhood this past week for example i think was one of the more difficult weeks at work because i had to be away from from my child monday the entirety of the week from almost i would say from the time he woke up to the time he went to bed so i i didn't see him much to get through that phase also requires resilience because i needed strength for the next day at work knowing that you know the baby was not going to sleep that well through the night so how do you do that you rely on your own inner sense of strength and you pull from that and the story that i've kept telling myself through life has been that i am strong enough and that this too shall pass and that's how i move to the next day and the next day and and thereafter Thanks, Isha. Tell me about the "this too shall pass" story. How how do you use that? Where do you use that? This too shall pass. I use it. I think in in every curveball that life throws throws at us, and it it goes back to you know the time when I went through you know the the grief of losing my parents within fifteen days because of of COVID, when I literally thought the world had ended. You know, it's it a grief. Uh, is an experience that where you're in such a dark bleak place where you never feel that the sun will ever emerge and yet now my child who's named his name is Lucian uh, Lucian means the bringer of light the sun has emerged and thus this too shall pass that darkness that too shall pass it's just how do you push yourself to continue going towards that light that's where your inner narrative and what you really need to fall back on your inner values your inner character comes into play and for me that's been falling back onto my resilience and every day you tell yourself that you know the next day will be better because look next day out came sunshine in the form of my son those sleepless postpartum nights this too shall pass because each day will bring a different uh, character the baby grows in a different dimension month to month so he too shall pass his his sleepless nights too shall pass thanks isha the like what what's coming for me is this like my, both of my parents are still alive so i can't relate to that but i have lost people who are like my parents who passed away and the, the grieving that goes with that and so uh, the story of this two shall pass helps me in that space too. I'm also holding, I use that story when things are going really well, right? Mm. Like instead of thinking like someday it's all going to be up and great, mm. it goes up and then it goes down and then it goes up <laughs> and then it goes down and it goes up and then it goes down. And those good times like to cherish them, but I know that they'll pass. There'll be, there'll be some times in the future where there's grieving Connie and I, my wife and I, are we have four parents. The youngest is 81. Oh, wow. And like there's a time when, and I would say before long, 
I'll be sooner than we want. Yeah. They will start to pass. Yeah. And so even though it's really good right now, this too shall pass. And it helps me to stay centered in. It's a journey. It's a dance. It's a space. Mm -hmm. That actually, that's a very beautiful insight, actually. And that hits on another point on what I realized from that this too shall pass. And I didn't, I didn't understand that I was doing it subconsciously until you mentioned it. But because I lost my parents in a, in a kind of like the shock accident, right? I didn't really get a chance to say bye in, in some ways because of, you know, uh, COVID, like what, now you see, now you don't type of thing happened. They were here today, gone tomorrow. It made me want to get deeper and closer to the people that I cared about because I knew time too shall pass. Mm. Right. Just because both I have, I have a sister, so both me and my sister, we lost parents at a young age. It opened us up to the fact that time was fleeting and therefore people were also aging. And rather than, you know, in, in my 20s, in my teens, I was like, I'm, I'm still a very social, gregarious person, you know, a lot of friends. And I was constantly out with one friend or the other. But developing oftentimes these superficial relationships, spending time going to festivals or parties where you have like 100 people and you say hi to 100 people, but nothing nothing concrete comes out of those highs, right? It's really when you close your eyes, the people you miss are the people you're closest to. And time is what you're going to miss with them when they go away. And so for me, that this too shall pass materializing the fact that I started to actually narrow down the group of people that I stayed close to and the connections became more quality oriented where I just, rather than taking this past month, I took a a vacation, a a week off, but I went to see my family in Chicago. And all I did was just spend that week hanging out with my aunt and my uncle and my cousins and just cooking laughing, singing together. And that in itself provided me so much joy, a joy that I hadn't experienced since 2020 in some ways, this familiar parental love. And to me that I would choose that any time, any day now over, you know, going to the Bahamas. I would love to go to the Bahamas also, but (laughs) quality family, friends, relationships have become much more dear because they too shall pass. Yeah, thank you, Isha. I lost my father a couple of years ago, and it's it's especially hard for my mom. Like it's it's especially hard on the people that are I want to say left behind. But to move through that, we know it's inevitable. We know it's inevitable, although some people's lives are cut too short. But just how that impacts us and our kids, and I really I. I really, your story really resonates with me as far as finding the quality connections in your life versus kind of just the surfacey ones. No, I'm really, I'm really thankful that you shared that. So I'm, I'm curious now that you see life this different way, and there may be other people out there who are wondering, why is my life not perfect like all those other people are showing me? How do you continue to share your story with others? I've become a bit more transparent in sharing my story. Not 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 like a LinkedIn guru or an Instagram uh, therapist or, or of some sort, 
but still very open and honest with the journey that I've had both with grief and also with postpartum lows, right? Because I went through, I didn't realize it at the time when my son was born, but I went through a second round of grief because mm. I miss my parents so deeply then. Somehow the story, actually, another story that I told myself was, okay, I lost them, but maybe by creating new life, I might find them again in his face because genetics. And, and when I didn't see them jump at me from his cute little beautiful like newborn face, I was like, no, wait, the, they're in him, but they're not, they're not here. Like they are truly gone in some ways. And so it, I got to experience this grief yet, yet again. And, and I was again in, in, in a, in a dark phase, just sadness. But I shared, you know, that out just by sometimes, you know, sharing an article through an Instagram story or just like a quote. And it's nothing done out of like explicit, like, uh, like in a, in a scheduled way, but it's being very open and authentic with who I am both in the social media way, but, but also with my, my friends and my network. I don't have many people, especially in the U.S., I see this more, like they have two personas, one they, they have at home and one that they have professionally. Mm-hmm. For me, the, per, the person you see is the per, person you get. You, even if I'm at home or at work, I don't see the reason to hide your your core true selves because those values should be applicable across the board and so for me i think that's that's what's come out of it is that linkedin is often used uh, especially linkedin is used often in this professional influencer way and you know there are many people who who use it for that for me it's just sharing i think achievements but in a way achievements back out to also share the fact that there there is a clear purpose and a reason of why I have gone after role XYZ or, you know, applied for position ABC, just to kind of encourage people to be open to sharing their reasoning for pursuing specific roles and be open to sharing sometimes the grayer side of, of things. Not everything is shiny and rosy. And that's why, I, you know, the story that I shared of my latest role was about the fact that it was one of the, the hardest interviews that I did because I was in, you know, a two weeks after giving my baby. And it's amazing how many people reached out to me on that note and also this note that I had earlier on, on grief because they resonated with it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster or... Perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Nisha, one of the, I guess the fundamental for us is the, all the shiny stuff that we put that people put in the world when we, like we have probably done it too, but the shiny stuff that makes us look good, all that stuff, it really is a shield to protect our, us from showing our fears. And yeah. whether that's true or not true, we find that story helps us connect 
Because when we can put our shields down and be authentic and open and humble and vulnerable, and I like that last word the most, it's so easy to connect with somebody. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the mechanics that I, I see are happening is, is when we see somebody being vulnerable, we, like, we're drawn to it. And when we're vulnerable ourselves, we're, it's a sign of weakness. Right, and that story, both of those stories, live in our uh, inside of us until we can change that second one, which is being vulnerable is a sign of strength. To be yeah. able to share your fears and and bring them into the world, so that, uh, I I just imagine a world where we can all talk about our fears, and we yeah. have fears, but fears yeah. don't have us. Uh, and also, the broader thing is the fear of judgment. Mm. So one of the things that I am conscious about, right, is like I. I don't want people to to know me as the girl who lost two parents or the orphan, right? I'm very conscious of that. Like I, I do sometimes wonder like if I'm saying hi to someone and the last that they bespoke was actually the, you know, through that condolence message that they sent. And it's been, you know, even two years, whether their first memory of me will be, Oh, this is a sad girl who lost two parents. And so there is a, fear of being like mislabeled or being judged or, you know, yes, I, I was and I still am a sad girl who lost her parents, but I am also a happy woman who gained this beautiful son. So how do you reframe that thinking? And there you just go in knowing that sometimes these judgments might be created, but then you again, go back to your own true reliable self and you show your emotions as they are. And then this conversations, the perceptions, they switch. That 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 initial impression fades away to to seeing that oh, this person is actually standing happy, professionally capable, personally lovable, and and you know is moving on. So the narrative then changes after. But there is that initial fear. When I put out some stories about this postpartum, it was it's very interesting. It's some of the mental challenges that new mothers go through. I was worried that people might then label me as, oh, this person went through X, Y, Z. But it was amazing how many of my girlfriends who were new mothers themselves actually on the back channel, I never knew that they went through this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, actually, thanks for putting that out there. We went through this too. Oh, really? I had no idea. Because people just don't share. But sometimes sharing is a way of also helping those who might have also felt the same. They just felt like they would be shamed for sharing the lows when everything outside tells them that they should just be happy and high all the time on new new mother hormones. Yeah, you, you've, you've completely triggered me to think about my biggest fears I, I was thinking at one point that it was death, but it's not death. It's it's being alone, like and not just being alone in a room. It's it's like dying alone. And mm-hmm. I think when when we don't hear stories like yours, when when we think that authentic life really looks like oh the beautiful baby in the bassinet who's sleeping, <laughs> and you know the the grandparents who are there helping to raise the children when when we think of that that is the life like we do feel alone i i feel alone when i when i see that other people have portrayed this beautiful life out into the world 
because I'm like, wow, what, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my life that I can't have that? But with you sharing your story today, it just, it, it, it helps me not feel alone. And that's how I felt when I read some of the other pieces from articles and things of moms that were willing to share. Moms that I didn't know, they were just uh, ran- random people. But honestly, when you're in the throes of like that 3 a.m. screaming baby, <laughs> wake up. All you need is just going through like an anonymous like board, like new parent board and just like reading all these different people who've just written like, my baby did X, Y, Z and another parent chiming in and just having like, oh, there are others out there <laughs> who've gone through this. You're not alone has been so, so, so helpful to get by. And Because I agree, there is this loneliness that sets in, especially when you're just emerging from, from giving birth, when you're, it's just you and the baby and you've gone through this very transformational experience and no one else can really relate to it. I mean, people can, but you in that sense, no one else around you, your husband, you know, it's, they can't really quite relate to it because it's such a core thing to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Deb. And each of the, uh, the story I'm going to try on and work with is when we put out something in the world that makes us like, uh, like, like life is great and all this stuff, it really is a way like we're doing it for ourselves to protect ourselves, to make us in that space. But if we're responsible for what other people are going to make up from reading our posts, the being vulnerable, the being open, the being the authentic, the fears and all that stuff, we're really giving a gift to the world because it's going to shape how they see themselves versus how we, how we protect ourselves. And I think that's a, that's an ethic that, that I want, I'm going to continue to work and to create from here. So thank you for that. Isha, this is also a space where when we create who we are in the world, we get a chance to do that, right? And into a place where people can hear you and listen to you in, in that space. This is a space in the world right now to recreate who you are and it will go out to the world. So who do you create yourself to be? If you had like a magic wand and you create yourself to be any way possible, who would you create yourself to be right now? I'm, I'm pretty happy being myself <laughs> and I would continue being that person. Someone who who identifies with the multifaceted personality. So I'm not just a mother. I'm not just a wife. I'm not just a daughter. I'm not just uh, an employee. I am all of that. And I am me. I'm someone who loves to swim, um, in, especially in like rivers and lakes. I'm someone who loves to eat a lot of chocolate cake. <laughs> I'm someone... <laughs> who grew up on a very unhealthy diet of romantic movies. And I am someone who inherently is, is strong and resilient. Even if I don't want to be strong and resilient, right? Like there have been times I'm like, I don't want to be Atlas holding up the world on my shoulders. It's exhausting, but I can't help but that's just in me. That's just maybe what I was born with. And so I can't help but be that. So I don't have an image of what I aspire to be. I, I'm very happy being me. because <laughs> And that's what I know would make them, them as in mom and dad, very happy to know that they raised a very confident young woman. It's awesome. It's great. So 
Nisha, this is the the part of our episode, our our recording, right? And we get to the end, and we we do a little bit lighter, or sometimes it gets heavier or heavier. Look at that. Well, we ask the question: What is your favorite book? Like the one you've read more than once, maybe twice, maybe many times, and why is it your favorite book? Hmm. I would say. So I am a romantic. So I, Jane Austen was uh, one of my favorite authors growing up, but it's not Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice introduced me to Jane Austen. It was my favorite as like a teen, but it's actually Persuasion. Persuasion is a book where you have this young couple, they fall in love and, and Professor Rentworth, but the families are like, no, Professor Rentworth, he doesn't have a lot of money. So no, we don't allow you to get married to him. Then a few years later, you know, they meet once more and Anne is older. She's still like doesn't have a suitor, is unmarried. And uh, he, in the meantime, has become, you know, a hotshot captain of the ship. And it's all about how she perceives her own self, how she feels very defeated. And she feels like she missed that chance of a life with this person that she loved because she you know, was influenced by the society and, and by her parents in that case. But but in the end, it's uh, uh, the persuasion of persuading herself and him that they're actually their love was real, that they actually come back and connect now in a more authentic, less influenced way where they just go back to their core. But the love that they now have a number of years later is a more mature, a deeper understanding love where they've also seen, you know, they come into it knowing that there was that downside, that that despair that they faced when they had to break up back in the day, Victorian age break up. So it just feels a, a truer, stronger love. And the reason why I connect with this book is because they feel much more human, much more real, like actual characters versus the Elizabeth and the Mr. Darcy and that fancy fantasy in a way that Pride and Prejudice is. So Persuasion is one of my books that I absolutely adore. And there's this letter that the captain writes at the very end to Anne uh, Elliot, which where he declares his love. And it's the, the words that are used that are so powerful. And that also communicates how words can be so powerful and have so much meaning. And yeah, and and that's a letter that I often go go to many times because it's just beautifully written. Uh, thank you, Isha. Thanks, Isha. Yeah. Deb, what's your what's one of your favorite books? I'm going to go back to a long time ago to one of my favorite books, and it's Elmer's Dragon, Elmer and the Dragon. And the reason, I mean, I still remember this book. It was I was probably first starting to learn to read. And it was a fantastical story about a dragon. And I still remember that dragon carried around tangerine lollipops. And it's just like one of those things that's stuck in my head of a time of joy. And so I associate that book with great joy. And again, just it's it's fantastical. It's it's something that doesn't occur in life with the dragons. And so that's that's something it just it just takes me back to a time of great joy. How about you, Ron? Yeah, thanks. So I used to read a lot when I was a kid, and then I got into college with reading all the books and didn't have really have space to read. And then I was working a job, uh, working on, on nights up in Indiana somewhere, and the guy I was hanging out with tossed me this book called The Man from St. Petersburg. It's a Ken Follett book. And I remember because the book was all, you know, it was a paperback and it was all beat up. 
right? And I started to read it. And I think I went three sleepless nights because I'd go to work and I or sleepless days. I come home and I'd read all day and then I'd go to work and come back, you know, because like, like I couldn't, I could so relate to the, the fears of the main character who was obviously the man from St. Petersburg and like his care for his daughter, the care for his cause, what he believed in and the sacrifices he was willing to make. And there's a couple scenes inside of it uh, I was going through about they really got to, like Ken really got to the place where you could feel this guy's fear and vulnerability and drive and willingness to give up things to, to take care of other things. And I remember reading it, and I've read it many times since, and it has become one of my favorite books to go back and read again. And then, of course, once you find an author you love, then you dive into everything that they've got, right? So he's got several great books. But that one's always going to be special to me mm. and that I could really relate to the character and his fear and his willingness to continue on even when all the things were not working. Yeah. That's mine. Isha, thank you for being on our podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Is there anything, any last things you'd like to share with us about today or to share with our listeners? No, just that, you know, the stories in our heads that we keep telling ourselves sometimes also evolve but they evolve in ways that might surprise you. So it, it always, you know, have a narrative, have that wishful thinking and, and keep, keep at it because you, don't, you just don't know what's around the corner. Yeah, thank you. Isha, thank you for being on our recording today. Thanks. Thanks again. And really nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.